Oh my god, you guys. Hey. What the hell is up, man? It's me. It's your it's Olivia. It's your pal, your old friend, old sport, Olivia. Host of the podcast you're listening to right now, Olivia's Obscura, a glimpse into my mind palace. I am so happy you're here. I am beyond delighted to be here myself. Listen, it's Sunday night. I've got a Trader Joe's mac and cheese in the microwave. Life is good. Which I won't be eating that on mic. Because that would be disgusting. What's that word that people... It's a word for like the fear of... It's not like a phobia. It's like when you don't like the sound of people eating. I think it's misophonia. Or misophonia. Um, I wouldn't want to be, you know, causing a a misophonia-based incident, so I'm going to avoid eating on the mic now and forever, okay? I have a doozy for you today. I have a doozy. This has actually gotten, been requested. It was requested before I even started the podcast, just as a, just as a, hey, if you ever start a podcast, you should talk about this, and now that I've had a podcast, it has also been requested. Um, And that's the, quite frankly, the only topic I can say that has ever been requested, but hey, amazing news. I was obviously going to do an episode about this, even if no one requested it. So rest assured, this would have existed anyway. Today we are covering a movie that I saw earlier this year when it came out. And since then I've rewatched it, not twice, but three times over, which is kind of, you know, a little, because if you read the description, you know the movie that I'm about to say, and it's questionable in terms of taste absolutely absolutely um but today we are covering the 2023 movie beautiful disaster beautiful disaster is a movie from voltage pictures which if you don't know what voltage pictures is yes you do um they are probably the best known for making the after movies the ones based on the harry styles fanfic starring a man named Harden, hard on, and a girl named Tess or Tessa. I don't know, but they made like five of those goddamn movies and I watched every single one of them with bated breath. Yeah, the first after movie came out in 2019 and then one was released every single year after that through this year, (laughs) which is insane. They were absolutely churning those puppies out. Now the after movies, which were my previous the way I was previously acquainted with Voltage Pictures, um, it's like a romance drama kind of situation. It's, uh, for all intents and purposes, a depiction of an extremely toxic relationship, right? Extremely toxic. But they take themselves very seriously in a way that Beautiful Disaster did not. And I think that's what, like, Okay, which is funny because I just last week I was talking, I think it was last week, I was talking about how I don't like it when rom-coms are self-referential. I don't like, I or like seem like they're making fun of themselves or like the actors seem like they know that they're in the movie and they're like aware of it. I don't know, like something about that like sticks me out and I never think that movies like that are very good or I personally don't enjoy them. Beautiful Disaster didn't take itself very seriously in the fact that it like, wasn't earnest it it was definitely a comedy whereas the after movies were not like comedies at all that just wasn't that wasn't their thing so maybe it maybe I did just think it was funny but it was also I don't know I here okay here's what we're gonna do today okay 
I'm going to do like a hybrid recap slash commentary of this movie. So if you've never seen it before, don't worry. Don't worry, okay? Because I'm going to explain it to you. And as I explain it to you, I'm going to talk about it and my thoughts about it. If you want to, for some reason, like go watch the movie, go for it. It's not necessary to be able to follow this episode though. So don't sweat it, okay? I got you, I'm here. Oh my God, my cat just puked. Just had to go clean up my cat's puke. And then he immediately went to his letterbox and took a shit. So good for him. He is, he is emptied out. He does the, what I call the scarf and barf a lot, which is just like eating a lot of food really fast. Cause for some reason he thinks that every time he gets fed is gonna be the last time he gets fed. Um, because I've been known to neglect him, you know? Obviously it's not like he has a loving home with two people who care more about him than anything else and a cat brother who loves him so much and thinks he's the coolest guy ever. So because of that, he, he tends to go a little, a little crazy on the food and hence the scarf and barf. So, but we're back. We're so back. We're so back. Without further ado, we should just get into it. I think we should just get right into it. Okay. This movie's about an hour and a half long. We'll see how long it takes me to talk about it. <laughs> Because it's hilarious to me that the last time I talked about a movie, it was like quite literally the the same length as the movie itself. But hey, I'm the personality hire. Okay, you come here for the personality. If you wanted to watch the movie, just watch the movie. Okay, why are you even? How'd you even get here? Unnecessary, but quick sidebar. Um, as we all know, George Santos happened this week. He got expelled from Congress or whatever they call it. Um, but I saw someone today. Okay, first of all, all the like meme roundups on TikTok are fucking sending me because one thing about George Santos is that he was literally a, a character from a, like a from like a movie or a TV show. Like you can't you couldn't write a character as good as George Santos, really. When you think about it, he should have gone into comedy instead of politics cuz he's got a real knack for that. He's funny, he doesn't even try. He's just funny. Um and he could have he could have caused a lot less harm if he if he just leaned into like the theater of it all instead of, you know, being in Congress and being in Congress. Um, but I saw someone in one of the TikTok meme roundups in the comments today say that he was the personality hire, which really cracked me up. So because I really relate to being a personality hire. Right. Like I my jokes are better than any of my skills. And I actually just thought of another sidebar that we need to pivot to real quick, which is. I was looking for movies to watch a few nights ago and I think on, maybe it was Hulu or maybe it was Prime, I don't know. Um, but I found another movie called Beautiful Disaster, but it was from 2018 and it was starring our, th our three named King, Jeremy Allen White. So I enjoyed it immensely. It was a good watch, cute watch, uh, you know, like a fun little romance, like a dark, like a dark romance, I guess you could say. I was unaware that there were two movies under the title Beautiful Disaster. And because I loved the the Voltage Pictures version, I said, I should give the other one a shot. All right, enough funny business. Back to Beautiful Disaster 2023 by Voltage Pictures starring Dylan Sprouse and Virginia Gardner. <laughs> now, right off the bat, we're introduced to our main player, Abby. Abby is our protagonist. She is kind of our main girl, our main chick. She is played by Virginia Gardner. You know, she's like a classic fanfic girl. She has classic fanfic girl hair, kind of like a dirt, like a strawberry blonde type of vibe and orbs. She doesn't have eyes. She has 
orbs, glowing orbs. And she throws her hair up into a messy bun every morning. Now, Abby is transferring to this university after she was already at one college, but she's transferring to a school out of state, out of her hometown, which is Las Vegas. So she's, I think that the, I think she's transferring from a school in Las Vegas to a school in California. I would have to guess Los Angeles. I actually just fact checked that, which I know we don't fact check on this podcast, but I, I was going to be mad if I didn't know. Apparently it takes place in Sacramento. So she moved out of Las Vegas because we can tell she's trying to escape something from her hometown. And she hauls her ass to Sacramento. Sacramento. Okay, ladybird moment. And as soon as she arrives to her university, Sacramento University for all intents and purposes, SACU. Okay, we're gonna call it, we're gonna call this school SACU, SAC University. At SACU, Abby is rooming with her best friend from her past, America. She goes by Mare for short. And how iconic, everything's coming up Abby. She got out of her hometown. She went to the city of dreams, Sacramento, and she gets to be roommates with her best friend. What could be better? Well, we are immediately introduced to America's boyfriend, Shepley. They're very much in love. <laughs> they were spotted looking very much in love. And immediately America is like, oh my God, you should come out with us. Her and Shepley are like, please come. It'll be fun. It'll be good for you to get out on, on, on your first day at your, your new school at Sac University. And Abby is a classic like, oh no, I can't go out tonight. I have to read. I have to study kind of gal. She would, she would just rather be reading. Okay. She's just not like other girls. She's eventually convinced to go out with them. They go to this thing called The Circle. Now, The Circle, LOL, is an underground fighting ring at the university. So I've never seen Fight Club, but I'm assuming it's like Fight Club. Now, I never went to college, but I would be really curious um, if anyone else has been to a university in America that has an underground fighting ring. Just because I... I, ju I just want to know, just for research. I'll re message me on Instagram. I'll report back on the podcast next week if anyone has any experience with university underground fight clubs. Now you start to get more of a feel for Abby's personality, you know, a bit of a stick in the mud, a classic, oh my God, you guys, like I really shouldn't be here. I need to go home. I have to study. I have homework to do. And she's wearing, like everyone else, Shepley in America are wearing like, you know, jeans and, and like a leather jacket, like regular clothes that you would, go out wearing on like an evening. Abby is wearing a cardigan and like a circle skirt and like tights. Like it's just, and they're in this basement like fighting. So it's the, the, the vibe is a little off. The way this goes down is that the person, the guy, the student who is like moderating the fight, is that, is that the word? He's, he wasn't really being like a referee. Like he was just kind of like emceeing it. He was kind of just the host of it. Like Jesse Palmer is the host of The Bachelor. As in he doesn't, he didn't really do anything. But he introduced the players. I don't remember the first play, the first fighter's name. Some guy who is like, I don't know, a big deal in the, in the circle. And then we get introduced to Travis Mad Dog Maddox. And this is Dylan Sprouse's character. Buzz cut, tattoos, um, very much the opposite of Miss Abby's vibe. But as soon as he walks in the room wearing his skinny jeans and combat boots and nothing else, she's like, oh my God, this is, 
this guy is so hot, you know? I love his just got out of jail vibe. The fight commences. These two dudes are beating the shit out of each other, throwing punches like it's nobody's business. At one point, Travis like stands up and like takes a break. He thought he knocked out his opponent, I'm pretty sure. Opponent, sorry. And so he turns around and like stands up in front of Abby and is like, hey, what's your name? And then immediately he gets knocked out by his opponent who got up and he like falls to the ground in front of Abby. It's such a fanfic meeting. He's immediately on the ground, passed out. Oh, he gets up though. No worries. He gets up. He then knocks out his opponent and the blood splatters on Abby's pale blue cardigan. Now, if I'm being honest and frank, the vibes, the electricity in the room at this time is kind of off the charts, right? Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's screaming. It made me think for a second, damn, should I have gone to college just because maybe there would be a chance that I could go be a, a viewer at a underground fight club. Travis ends up winning the fight, okay? He's the mad dog. He's Travis Mad Dog Maddox. Of course he won the fight. He runs into Abby afterwards. He's like, sorry about your sweater. And then he's like, you know, you, you coming to these fights like isn't good for me. Like you're gonna distract me. And she's like, oh, teehee, this isn't really my scene. I'm kind of making this up. I don't know if this is how the... I watched this a few nights ago to take notes for the podcast and I'm really, I'm trying to convey the vibe, but I'm so sorry if things are kind of, you know, maybe not exactly the way they went down, but I feel confident that I'm kind of, that I'm conveying the essence of the, of the scene to you. So they exchange some niceties. He's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't come around here, pigeon. You're going to distract me. That's his nickname for her. He calls her Pigeon just right off the bat. Night one, immediately met her after splattering some dude's blood on her sweater and he goes in with Pigeon. Okay, interesting. Abby goes home that night after meeting Travis and we are served up with an insanely gratuitous shower masturbation scene. Okay, she gets in the shower. There's all these close-ups, like dark lighting, like euphoria high lighting. All these shots of her like slicking her hair back under the water and like touching her chest and like moaning. (laughs) And all of that is spliced up with a literal fan edit of Travis fighting. So we're to assume that she is just thinking back replaying her meeting and and his fighting over and over deriving pure ecstasy from it this is the first of multiple very suggestive if not fully explicit sex scenes or sex adjacent scenes in this movie so buckle up buckle up buster we are gonna get freaky deaky in this movie all right Now we cut to seeing Abby pulling all of this money, all of this cash, like stacks of cash out of her mattress. So she had been hiding all of this money in her mattress. We're then shown her sitting in like the tuition payment office, like the bursar's office, I guess. And she's explaining to the lady that like this is her tuition money. She doesn't have a bank account because her parents never set anything like that up for her. And she just has the cash right now. The bursar is obviously like, dude, we can't take your thousands of dollars of tuition payment for the semester with cash. Like, that's super shady. Abby, she's a girl of, she's a girl of words, okay? She, she convinces them to take the cash, and the bursar's like, okay, but you better 
pay from a bank account next time. This isn't going to fly again. After going to visit the bursar's office, she goes to lunch to meet Mare and Shepley. And she's sitting there, third wheeling, third wheel vibes at lunch in the quad. Is that what they call it at college? In the quad um, where you eat and socialize? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't actually know anything about college. A few times I have gone to visit my sister at her campus and it was just insane. It's like this weird like little town, but like nothing's real. Like it's kind of like they have restaurants and stuff, but they don't feel real and the streets feel fake. And I don't understand anything about why are there different colleges on the same college campus? That, that is probably the stupidest fucking question anyone's ever asked. But genuinely, like, why is it? Okay, so it's like, for example, like Sacramento University. Then why within Sacramento University is there Dr. McSillybutt's College of the Arts? Like, why is there a college within a university? It doesn't make sense. So they're sitting at lunch, the three of them. Abby is kind of like nonchalantly like, hey, so what's the deal with Travis? What's the deal with Travis from last night? And it turns out that Travis is Shepley's cousin. He's a sophomore. I think we're to assume that Shepley America and Abby are freshmen. Kismet, okay? How lucky are we? Travis just turns up at lunch. Isn't that awesome? He comes by to say hey to his cousin. Hey, cousin Shepley, what's up, man? And he takes this opportunity to formally introduce himself to Abby. He takes her hand and kisses it, which is, you know, a crazy way to introduce yourself to someone in, in 2023. She's like, oh, does that usually work? Does that usually work on girls? And he's like, no. Travis is kind of a douchebag. He's like, a, he's just, dude, like all of this is just such like fanfic cliche, which I, I'm obsessed with. Like, she's just a sweet girl who likes to read and she doesn't want to like Travis because he's a dickhead, but she's just fatally attracted to him. A tale as old as time. Now, in the next scene, she's sitting in a lecture hall and she's stalking Travis on Instagram. She's scrolling through all of his posts and it's hilarious because she's like talking to herself while she's doing this. She's like zooming in really close on him and she's like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like out loud in the lecture hall, which I am I love. Travis is, uh-oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? He's right behind her, looking over her shoulder after she's like, oh my God, he's so hot. He's like, yeah, that one's my favorite. And she jumps, she's startled that he's there, but they flirt a little bit. They get a little flirty. She She's kind of like, you know, a little bit, shy a little bit timid and he's very forward with pursuing her he's like he asks her out she keeps saying no and then eventually he's just like oh i'm gonna pick you up tonight i'll pick you up at seven later that night he pulls up to her dorm on a motorcycle now if we know anything about abby at this point it's that she does not have a flair for the adventure. She does not have an edge to her. Um, so obviously the motorcycle is a no-go. She's like, do you have any idea how dangerous those are? I'm not getting on that thing. She's on the stairs outside of her dorm. So she was obviously waiting for him, even though she says that she had no intention of going on this date, but she's wearing a heather gray sweatsuit just to kind of give you the vibe. Like she's not ready for a date. She's wearing lounge clothes and sneakers. And she's like, okay, well, I'm not getting on the motorcycle, but they end up going on a walk and getting, I think they were eating like gyros 
or like PETA or something. And they walk around and they talk. Now, of course, any late night walk wouldn't be complete without a little bit of trauma dumping as a treat, you know? So we do find out that Travis's mom is dead. And he tells Abby that his dad is alive and he has four brothers. So he, his dad raised five boys on his own as a single father after their mom died when they were young. Travis says, you want to get good at fighting? Having four brothers beat your ass daily does the trick. So I guess that's why he is good at fighting is because all of his brothers beat him up. Poor Travis. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your brothers beat you up all the time. And then... Abby kind of catches wind of this campus, like, transportation bus, like a campus taxi. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go. Bye, Travis. And she just literally, like, runs across the street away from Travis and hops in the campus taxi. And off she goes. And that is the ending of their first official date. The next morning, we see her walking across campus again. Or no, she's not walking across campus. She's actually playing frisbee with some people. She throws the frisbee kind of crazy and it hits this dude walking by square in the nuts, straight to the nuts. And a side piece of this that isn't, is, it is relevant actually, because I just, they're talking a lot about sex and like making a lot of like sex references and sex jokes, but like at the same time, nothing about this movie is sexy. And so in this scene, she's wearing like a sports bra and like a jacket that's like partially zipped down and like leggings and sneakers, but her tits are just out. They're just so out in this scene. And I love, listen, who doesn't love tits? Okay, whatever, I get it. Um, but it is, I feel like it's necessary for me to tell you that so you can kind of get a vibe for the fact that like everything about this movie is like so gratuitous in terms of how it like <laughs> portrays sex. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing because I actually can't stand, do you remember over the summer when everyone on Twitter was having like, like there shouldn't be sex scenes in movies discourse, like discourse about how there's no reason for movies to have sex scenes. Hey guys, what are we, are we pilgrims? Did we just like go back to the puritanical times and no one told me, why can't we depict sex in art? Like what, yeah, there's no reason to have sex scenes in movies, but there's no reason to have anything in movies when you put it that way. Like at that point, I don't know, dude, like I, <laughs> maybe I'll have to do a whole separate episode on why I think the anti-sex scene discourse is so stupid and like anti-creativity, but I need to take a moment to more fully flesh out my thoughts on that because I don't, I have some basic ones like what I just told you, but I actually don't know if maybe my opinion is wrong and maybe I need to learn more and maybe sex scenes like are bad, but in my opinion, it's like, Art is supposed to push boundaries. Like movies are supposed to make you feel things. Art is supposed to make you feel things. Discomfort is one of those things. You know, not even discomfort. Like just like, I don't know. We should be able to portray sex in movies in a good way, in a neutral way. I don't know. Anyway, that's what I'll say. So there is a lot of sex in this movie and it doesn't bother me. I just think it's funny because they talk about sex so much, but the movie itself is so deeply unsexy. Unsexy. It's an interesting paradox. So she's playing frisbee, right? Hits this guy in the nuts with her frisbee. And she goes up and she's like, oh my God, dude, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that I hit your balls or whatever. And then they're kind of flirting. They're kind of hitting it off. This guy introduces himself as Parker. Parker looks, okay, the best way I can describe Parker's face is that he looks like he's wearing a mask of someone else's face. You know, like in Mission Impossible, when they're wearing these like 
those like super realistic face masks that they can like peel off from the bottom of the neck. That looks like Parker could do that at any point in time. He has like such, like it's almost like he he's not a bad looking guy, but he is, I think they cast him really well because he is the, he has such a good look for like a guy who's good on paper, but just isn't electric in the way that someone like Travis is, you know? Because he's so plain, he's like classic, handsome guy face. Hans he looks like he bought a handsome guy face mask at Spirit Halloween, or he had the Mission Impossible prop designers make it for him. He's studying to be a doctor. Like he is everything that Travis is not. He is clean cut. He is studious. Now at this point we get another showering scene. Abby is back in the shower. All this girl does is shower. The water turns off abruptly. Like the water goes out. So she's obviously confused. She's pissed off because nothing's worse than when you're in the shower and the water turns off abruptly. That's literally, that's like a villain origin story. Like nothing's worse when you're covered in soap and all of a sudden there's no water. She leaves the bathroom. She's like, America, what's up? And Mayor says that the building manager said that the water was going to be out for 24 hours. So she volunteers the two of them to go stay at Shepley's boy apartment. Okay, but guess what? Travis lives there. We get a scene of Abby listening to a voicemail from her dad asking her where she went and would she please text him back just because he wants to know where she is and that she's safe. So another hint at the fact that they have a strained relationship and Abby kind of ran away in the dark of night. She hears a noise, a bump in the night, and she goes to investigate. What does she find? Travis in his room with the door open, absolutely railing the shit out of this girl. Now, Abby is understandably shocked by this. As someone who has witnessed somebody getting the shit railed out of them through an open door, I can't say that that's like, when that happened to me, it was my old roommate and I was getting ready for work because I worked as a barista. And so I was up super early. I was getting ready at like 4.35 in the morning. I guess they weren't expecting to be up, which is weird because obviously my roommate knew that I was a barista and that I was always up early. But for some reason, she still decided to have sex with this guy with her door open. And my bathroom was directly across the hall from her room. So I just had a straight shot seeing those two fucking. And it was, it was shocking. Like it did kind of ruin my whole day. Like I remember driving to work and I was just like, dude, like there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from the fact that I was just trying to go brush my teeth and, and get ready for work when I had to hear and see my roommate and a strange man having sex. So believe me, I know the emotional implications of seeing such a thing. So Abby screams, she slams his door closed and goes to hang out in the kitchen. A few minutes later, she sees the girl, the one night stand girl he was fucking leave. He walks, she walks out of his room. She's going to walk out the door of the apartment and she act, she gives Abby a piece of paper that has her number on it and says, please give this to him. And of course, Abby tries to give him this piece of paper with the girl's name on it. He comes out of the room a few minutes later and Travis immediately throws out the note and acts like an asshole about it. He's like, why can't I just fuck people whenever I want? I don't, and, and not have to call them. We're all adults here. Then he opens his phone to show Abby the app that he met this broad on. 
the app is called <laughs> it basically they show it and it's kind of just like a tinder like a standard like tinder type format but the app is called consent date and you have like contracts with people on it so when you match with someone you like create a contract with them before you sleep with them this is never elaborated on ever again in the movie i need to know the deal with consent date what kind of contracts are they like you can't are they like bdsm contracts are they like the kind of contracts that what the 50 shades of gray guy made the girl sign is it one of the like how legally binding can that possibly be and also like what is are all the contracts different are all of the contracts the same is there one like default contract that you sign with everyone that basically is like we're only doing this to fuck and we're not gonna text or call or exchange numbers or anything like i need more explanation about the app consent date and the contracts that you have with people on there like i please i need another movie just about consent date so that night abby is staying at this apartment and for some reason she's staying in travis's bed like mare and shepley are sleeping together obviously and then instead of taking the couch or something abby takes travis's bed and he also takes Travis's bed. So they're both sleeping in bed together. Again, she's not like other girls. She's sitting in bed. She has her color-coordinated highlighters out. She's studying. She's cramming for a bio test and a matching two-piece pajama set. She opens his little side drawer. I don't know what she's looking for, probably a pen or something. But when she opens up the drawer, it's just a bunch of condoms and sex toys and dildos and vibrators and whatever. And she pulls like a rabbit vibrator out of the drawer and she picks it up and she's like, what's this? What's this for? Girl. Get it together. You're in college. Come on. Give me a break. He crawls into bed. They fall asleep, like facing away from each other. In the morning, we are served up with another insane scene that I am so glad that I get to describe for you. In the morning, we see Abby and Travis laying in his bed together. He has a massive, gigantic, super big, monstrous boner. Huge. Making like a like a giant tent <laughs> in the comforter. And it's, here's the thing. I I don't know what it is about seeing a just giant boner on your TV screen watching a movie. It is, it is shocking, okay? It's shocking. Abby is still kind of in her like sleepy haze. She's not really awake yet. And she reaches over thinking she's petting a cat. She's like, oh, kitty. <laughs> oh, so sweet. And she's petting what she thinks is the cat. But yeah, you guessed it. She's actually just jerking him off. She's actually just got her hand wrapped around his dick over like over the blanket. You know, she's she's not touching. She, it's not skin to skin. This obviously wakes Travis up and he's kind of like, oh, like, what are you doing? He wakes her up and she's like shocked and horrified. She screams. She lets out a blood curdling scream at the realization that she'd just been touching this guy's dick instead of a kitty cat. She obviously runs out of the room because she's so shocked and horrified at the idea of a boner. And he, he comes running out after her. She's tells him that he should be locked up for having a quote, raging hard on, end quote. 
And he calls her a sleepy cock toucher. Sleepy cock toucher. If someone wants to use that as like a, a TikTok handle, I think that would really slay. Sleepy cock toucher. 69. Abby dashes out the door, still wearing the classy two-piece pajama set that she was wearing the night before. She's dashing, dashing through campus, running across the quad. And she trips over this guy who's laying on the grass reading and she totally eats shit. She gets up, her face is all muddy and like, she, she looks like shit. And she runs into Parker again. She's like, hey dude, how are your balls? And they kind of do like a cheeky little bit together. They like flirt a little bit. And they end up having, they set a date for that night at 7 p.m. He says that he's going to come pick her up and they are going to go out. Amazing. Abby was like, this is perfect. I need to get my mind off of Travis anyway, because I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Travis sends Abby a text that says, sorry about the boner, which is amazing. So Abby and Parker go get dinner. After dinner, Parker's like, well, I have another thing to to take us to if you're down. Where do they go? They go to another fight. They go to another The Circle gathering, which is the second time that someone has just brought her to a fight as like a chill nighttime activity. Okay? Like, that wouldn't be my first... Like, if I was making plans with someone that was either my new roommate or a girl that I'm on a first date with, like... I don't know if maybe my default activity would be going to watch an underground fight ring, but hey, maybe that's a personal problem. Guess who they run into at the fight? Obviously Travis. Obviously Travis is there and he's being a dick. He's being an asshole. He's like, I can't believe last night you were sleeping in my bed and now tonight you're, you're here with another dude and you have your titties hanging out. And there's some words, some choice words spat back and forth between the two of them. And they set a bet. They set a bet. If you're familiar with the after movies, you'll know that that movie also all stemmed from a bet. Now, in this case, the bet is that if Travis loses in this fight tonight, he will have to be celibate for an entire month. No sex for 30 days. Alternatively, if he wins the fight, that means that Abby needs to stay at his apartment for a month. Now, during the scene where they're setting the bet, they're talking so close to each other. Like, their faces are so close to each other, but they're not quite touching lips. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of an iconic setup. Like, I do. Hey, listen, I love that. They go back, Abby goes back to her date, Travis goes ready to fight, goes and gets ready to fight, I guess would be the way to say that. During the fight, Travis has to be a douche, obviously. He goes over to the side of the fighting ring where Abby's in the crowd and he tells her to cover up her boobs. Classic. Travis is in the ring and he's making all of these like, ooh, ooh, ah, ook, ah, monkey sounds. Why can't I make a monkey sound? Ooh, 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 ah. Is that how a monkey sounds? He's doing like monkey sounds and he's like beating his chest. And it's just a, it's just such a parody of male gender performance. And it's perfect. And this is what I mean, like all Voltage movies moving forward should lean into this kind of like self-aware angle because in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's funny. Like it's actually funny. Whoever wrote this movie did a good job. Like it's obviously not an Oscar winner by any means but it's a good watch. It moves really quickly. It keeps you hanging on for more. 
it sprinkles in the most insane dialogue you've ever heard every once in a while. So in my opinion, it keeps you grasped. Travis wins the fight. Therefore, Travis wins the bet, which means that they have to sleep in the same bed for 30 nights. And she intends to uphold her end of the deal. She's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm no chump. Yeah, I'm holding up my end of the deal. See you in bed, loser. So there's like this silly montage that kind of happens. It's like, I like it. It's like this little, you can see the days passing on the screen. Like it kind of runs through day three, four, five, and so on and so forth. It shows them working out together and she's doing like workout videos in the living room and they're like tagging along on couples nights with Shep and Mare. And it's just like kind of a little montage to kind of build some rapport between these two. Because when we cut back to the, the movie timeline, we're on day 17. We fast forwarded to day 17. And at this point, Travis takes Abby home to visit his dad and all of his millions of brothers. They must live nearby because he takes her on the motorcycle. Apparently, she's cool with that now. She's like, yeah, I changed my tune on motorcycles. I've slept in this guy's bed for 17 days. So I guess that I trust him to take me on his motorcycle. When they pull up, all of the brothers are outside roughhousing. They're all adults, so I'm not sure why any of them aren't at work or school or something. They're all just, like, playing football, like, tossing a football back and forth in the front yard. So I don't know what, I don't know what's up with that. Oh, oh my God. Before I go any further, my friend Taylor saw that I was going to be covering this movie because I posted it on Instagram the other day. And she told me that she had read the book. And I was like, dude, there's a book? And she goes, yeah, there's five books. There's a book for every brother in the family. So Beautiful Disaster is Travis's book. And there's four other books for all of his brothers. And I'm not going to read the books. I'm going to be so straight up with you. I will not. I it's not it's nothing against the content. It's against the fact that it's a book. Like I kind of won't be reading any books, if that makes sense, respectfully. But that does leave room for, I guess, four more movies in this universe to be made, which is enough to keep me going, to be honest with you. I would love to see four more movies of this caliber because I love garbage. Travis introduces her to all of his brothers. They are named Taylor, Tyler, Trenton, and Thomas. And then Jeff introduced himself. Jeff is... The dad, the boy's dad, says it's good to meet her. They all go inside. They gather around the dinner table and dig into a big old bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, baby. This is a boy house. This is a boy house where boys live. We eat chicken for dinner. We eat fried Kentucky Fried Chicken for dinner around here. This is a man's home. Travis says grace. (laughs) Which is just, I don't know why. It's just funny. He's literally on an app creating sex contracts with all these girls. But then he goes home and he says grace at the dinner table like a good Christian boy. And that's the duality of man right there. They dig into the food. All of the brothers are like chanting, we want breasts. We want breasts. Like referring to the chicken. And Travis is like, guys, stop. There's a lady among in our midst. You can't be talking about breasts like that. This movie is so stupid. I'm obsessed with it. All the guys after dinner then, like dinner, they eat, they eat their chicken, whatever. They then all start singing this chant. 
Like they all just break in spontaneously to this stupid chant and they flip over the dinner table because it's a poker table on the other side of the dinner table. Like I said, you guys, this is a boy house. This is actually, I think this might be the Mojo Dojo Casa house. Tough to say. She is saying that she doesn't want to play because they invite her. They're like, Texas, hold them. You in? And she's like, oh no, that's not for me. She excuses herself to go to the kitchen because that's where a lady should be. Get into the kitchen, Abby. You've got dishes to do. You've got to clean up after all these boys. They're like, come on, like, come play with us. We won't go too hard on you. And she's like, oh, I don't not want to play because I'm worried that you're going to go too hard on me. I'm worried I'm going to go too hard on you guys. But she's she agrees. She goes to play um, poker with them and she's playing dumb the whole time, pretending she doesn't know anything about poker, pretending she doesn't know how to play poker. Guess what? She fucking hustles them, bitch. Yes! This is when I started to actually unironically love this movie because I love movies centered around women playing poker. See also Molly's Game. All the boys ask her where she learned to play. She says she learned back home in Las Vegas and they actually know about her. They know, they're like, you know, that's interesting because there's a girl about, she should be about your age that back in the day, her dad took her around to play poker all the time for him. Like it was illegal, but she was like this young child poker prodigy and she bailed them out all the time. And the nickname for this girl was Lucky 13 and come to find out, Abby is Lucky 13. We saw it coming, didn't we? Turns out she's had newspaper articles written about her. Like Abby Lucky 13 is a bit of a minor celebrity and all of these dudes are fangirling over her. They're like, oh my God, we have Lucky 13 in the house. Lucky 13 in the house. So this is when we put some things together. Like obviously we know at this point that the reason she doesn't have a good relationship with her dad is because he forced her to play poker illegally underage to bail him out out of bad bets. We get another kind of silly montage, including Abby and Travis being like kind of a happy couple, not couple, I guess, because they're not together. But, you know, they're out. They're like they're hanging out. They're out and about. They're bopping around. They're in love. They just don't know it. Yada, da, 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 da. There is a scene in the montage where Shepley is in the living room watching the after movie, <laughs> which I love. Like, I love a little Easter egg like that. That just made me so happy the first time I watched this movie. And he's kind of sitting on the couch, like eating popcorn, crying. He's like, oh, I can't believe he did that to Tessa. So like we are getting some like references to other movies in the Voltage Pictures universe, which I'm all over that. Abby's dad kind of continues to contact her and she finally decides to respond. She's just like, I miss you too. You know, she doesn't tell him where she is or, you know, why she left. She's just like, I'm, you know, I miss you too. Just so he knows that she's alive and okay. And at this point, Abby and Travis has a pretty good rapport. You know, they have like a, like a silly kind of like flirty, comfortable relationship. And they're wrestling in bed, you know, just like two friends like to do. He has only a towel around his waist, wrestling her on bed. What could go wrong? They start making out. Oh, oh me, oh my, uh, they are sucking face. So he kind of just like abruptly stops kissing her and is like weird and like argumentative for a little bit. And then they start making out again with um, like some Tate McRae brand pop in the background the music in this movie is like so 
overly literal. Like, you just have, you gotta watch the movie, honestly. At this point, hey, what are you doing? If you haven't watched the movie yet, I know you're going to. I know you're gonna end this episode and go watch it. So you know what I'm talking about. Like, the lyrics in the songs are, like, so, so on the nose for what's happening in the scene. It reminds me of, like, the songs that people write for like Selling Sunset and other reality TV shows of that genre. The making out escalates. They start hooking up. Abby freaks out all of a sudden and runs out of the room. She runs into the bathroom where Mare is and she's like, I can't go back in there. I can't go back in the room with him. I just won't be able to stop myself. And America is like, oh my God, like, I think you like him. And Abby's like, like him? Mare, I think I'm in love with him. While Abby is in the bathroom having this conversation with Mare, Travis sees a text from Mick pop up on Abby's computer. Mick is the name of her dad. This whole time that he has been texting her, she only calls him by his first name and she never calls him dad. It's always Mick. Travis doesn't know this. Travis sees this and thinks that it's a guy who is not her dad and he bails. He pieces out for the night. He runs away just leaves doesn't tell anyone where he's going people wake up in the morning they're like where's travis like everyone's really concerned um every like shep shepley mayor and abby are all really concerned and they're looking for him and he comes back he's drunk hung over like he was obviously up all night like drinking and being sad and whatever he brings home a random neighborhood cat he comes back with just a cat um all in response to, you know, being devastated about this text from Mick. And Abby is like, dude, that's not cool. Like, why didn't you just talk to me? Like, why did you leave for the night and like come home drunk and with a cat that's not yours? Not cool. You should have just asked me about it and I would have been able to explain that it's my dad. And so she's pissed because of the way that he reacted to seeing this text. And um, Abby then storms out. She's like, I'm done. The bet's over. Like, I'm out. See ya. I'm never talking to you again, you dumb fuck. Abby's birthday is coming up and Shepley decides to help throw a surprise birthday party. And the way they set it up is that they contact or like Shepley contacted Parker to take Abby out on another date. Shepley and Mare like make sure that he takes Abby out and has her back at the house by a certain time so they can surprise her with the surprise party. Abby is like, you know, she's like, oh yay, thanks, like surprise, I'm so happy. But like she, it's clear that she isn't like into the party and she expresses that it's because like she doesn't know any of the people there. She's like, this house is full of people that like, I don't know. America reveals to her that the party was Travis's idea actually. And like, he's the one who invited all of these people. And Abby's like, okay, like I need to go talk to him. We need to have a discussion because this is ridiculous. She goes to talk to Travis. She's like, hey, Travis, like, I heard that you threw this party for me and I just want you to know that, like, it's never going to happen. Like, I'm seeing Parker right now. Okay, cool. Even though her and Parker have zero negative chemistry. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a date a guy they hate at least once. It's kind of a rite of passage. Abby's like, dude, I'm done. She's like, I need to get fucked up. And she proceeds to get fucked up. She's dancing on tables. She's taking shots. She is dancing up a storm. She's playing this really fun 
drinking game that I've never seen before other than in this movie, but I'm assuming it's popular. I'm assuming the only reason I don't know about it is because I didn't go to college, but they are, they have a roll of toilet paper and they have a glass, like a pint glass full of beer on the toilet paper and they have to roll it up towards them without the paper breaking. And I think that looks really fun. So if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to like throw a party that's not a college party that has that game, I would be really into that. But I won't be doing that at, in a college environment. I want to play that game with like a bunch of 27 year olds. We see some clips of Parker boring all of the party guests by cornering them and talking to them about the healthcare system. Ugh, what a wet blanket, am I right? Abby is trashed. She's standing in the kitchen. Parker comes up and he's like, dude, like, I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm going to excuse myself. I got to go. Abby's like, no, don't go. She's drunk. She's like, no, don't go, Parker. I love you. And Parker's like, dude, no, like, I see the way you are with Travis. Like, it's obvious that you're in love with Travis and you need to do yourself the favor of seeing it through. And he leaves, which... Kind of a Parker W, honestly. They, like, we love we love that decision from Parker. He saw that it wasn't going to work out. He saw that she had feelings for somebody else. And he, you know, he put together context clues, which, which sometimes men aren't very good at context clues and reading into signs. But I think Parker did a really good job at that one. So Parker Dub. Abby is throwing up. She's so sick because she drank so much. And Travis is sitting there with her. He is taking care of her, holding back her hair like a good man does. And he's kind of like, oh, Pidge, Pigeon. He calls her Pidge. Ew. And he's like, oh, Pidge, you're not going to remember anything tomorrow. And he tells her that he is madly in love with her under the guise that she's drunk and she's not going to know tomorrow. Always an amazing way to deal with your feelings is to confess them to someone when they're not going to hear it. We love that. Travis does not need a therapist. He is good to go. He is he is all good. <laughs> that is one emotionally well-adjusted man. Abby says that she wants pancakes, so they get up off the bathroom floor to get dressed to go to IHOP, and um, she flashes him. She flashes him her tits a couple times. Silly, silly girl. So now it's the next morning. And this is the actual real last day of the bet. She was like, let's celebrate by looking in the magic drawer. Referring to the drawer that she opened the first night that was full of condoms and vibrators. She's kind of being silly. She's like, maybe we should celebrate our last day of the bet by looking in the sex drawer. But she pulls out a bottle of oil and and requests a foot massage. So he's giving her a foot massage a calf massage. He keeps working his way up. Eventually, you know, we're getting this like sensual massage montage and the music in this scene really felt like it was, it it was like if AI was prompted to make sexy music. It's like they took in like an AI (laughs) feature and they were like, okay, we want you to make a song that like kind of sounds like Halsey and is like kind of sexy. And then they made that. (laughs) They fuck. Travis and Abby, they're getting down. They're getting down and dirty, knocking boots. It is so fanfic-y. It is so fanfic-y. At one point, they say, shut up and just kiss me. Oh, shut up and just kiss me already. Abby wakes up the next morning after the last night of the bet. She leaves before Travis is awake. And as she's walking to her own apartment, a man in like a black 
G-Wagon, I think, pulls up and gets out. And he's like, you're going to need to come with me. And she's like, no, I'm not coming with you. You're a strange man. I'm not getting in your car, obviously. What am I, murder bait? And he's like, it's about your dad. You're going to want to get in the car with me. And she's obviously concerned. She's like, oh, no, what has my dad gotten into? The guy who came to retrieve her was actually sent by his boss to get Abby so that she can help her dad repay his debts to this guy. Um, Or else the guy who is owed the money has threatened to break his legs. So he's going to beat up Mick. He's going to beat the fuck out of Abby's dad if she doesn't come and help him repay his debts. Ooh, scary. We're going to now this is when things really pick up, okay? She goes to Vegas. She's like I have to go. Like she can't not help her dad. She's like I I have to go. Um Travis is in a tizzy about where she disappeared to, obviously, and He's going through her room trying to figure out where she is, what's going on, and he comes across her mattress that is full of money. He's like, what the fuck? Like, he had no idea why there would be all of this money in her mattress. He didn't know really anything about her past or her family or her dad. Abby meets up with Mick in a casino, like a bar in in Las Vegas, and she finds out that he owes this guy $100,000. Woof, dude. That's a lot of money. Abby agrees to it. She agrees to go play poker um, and and try to win back this money um, because otherwise, like, her dad has been threatened with death. Like, they will kill him if they don't get their $100,000, baby. So Abby, or, okay, we see Abby agree to do this. She is underage, though. She's a freshman in college. She's, like, 18, 19 years old. She needs to avoid getting caught, So she puts on this cunty ass blue sequin dress. She looks incredible. This is an incredible look in this movie. She struts her way on down to a casino. There's a guy there. I think the guy who was sent to pick her up on behalf of Benny. Benny is the name of the guy that Mick owes money to, by the way. So that's Benny. I don't know if I said that. Um, but he, this guy asks Abby, he's like, hey, are you good? Like, do you need anything? And she's like, dude, like, just here's $200. Give this to the waitress to start watering down my drinks. And other than that, I am good to go. This is a girl with a plan. She takes her little booty to the high stakes room. The few times that I've been inside a casino, there is nothing more terrifying to me than the high stakes room. You couldn't pay me enough money to even step foot in the high stakes room. I feel like I would just get burned alive being in there. But she's a poker prodigy. She knows what she's doing. She plays dumb. She absolutely hustles these guys. Of course. She's iconic in this scene. Like, I'm sorry. I actually just love it, unironically. Like, it's so funny. She's, like, playing this whole character about how she's here on a bachelorette trip. And she's just acting like a dumb bitch in front of these guys who are underestimating her. Obviously, they're like, come on, sweetheart. It's a $5,000 minimum buy-in. You got to go downstairs to the little games. And she's like... Oh no, like, she just, she fucking hustles them, dude. She wins. She wins the money. She gets to $100,000. She has all of her chips in this, like, poker chip case that I guess you, I guess people who play poker a lot have, like, a case to put their poker chips in. Hey, the more you know. She is walking out of the casino with her little case of chips, or her big case of chips, I guess I I should say, 
And a guy she grew up with from high school catches her. He's like, Abby, Abby. And she turns around and it's it's this guy named Jesse. She's like, Jesse, like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in forever. It, it, they grew up together. And he is working as a security guard at the casino. And they kind of exchange some niceties. They like are like, oh, we should get together while you're in town, whatever. And then Jesse is like, hey, by the way, I got to take those chips from you. Because I know how old you are and I know you're not old enough to be here winning those legally so in a devastating blow abby loses all of the money jesse takes the hundred thousand dollars away from her and she has to call her dad and break the bad news she's like hey dad like this is what happened they i won the money but they took it from me um in order to avoid getting killed by benny and his goons you gotta cancel your credit cards skip town, text me when you get a burner phone, you know, stay safe. Travis knew that Abby was in Vegas because America had her location on her phone, like find my friends or whatever. So Travis hops on the old hog, hops on the motorcycle and vroom vrooms to Vegas. So he, he storms into this room where Abby is sitting talking to Benny and one of his goons or whatever, the guy who came to retrieve her from Sacramento. And she's like, I don't have your money. Like, I don't know where my dad went. Um, but I do know that Jesse, Jesse Alvarez or whatever his last name was, I think something like that. He has your money. Go find him. And he has the $100,000. And a perfect, perfect timing. Travis busts through the door. There's this insane choreographed fight scene between Travis and the goon. And Abby, like, takes this opportunity to run out of the room while Travis is beating the shit out of this guy. She runs away. Travis then chases, once he's dealt with the the dudes, I don't know what, I don't know what happened there, but I'm assuming that he let up on them once she left. Travis then chases her down the hallway. They scream at each other in the hotel hallway. She's like, why are you here? I don't know why you followed me here. Like, I can handle my shit. You don't need to handle my shit for me. I can do it all on my own. Travis then confesses that he loves her. He screams, I love you. And she says, you love me? You don't even know me. You don't even know me. And she says, I've had enough crazy in my life. I don't need more crazy. And Travis, you make me crazy. Cue insane makeout scene. They go into Abby's room at the hotel and they are smashing into mirrors. They're breaking shit. They're breaking countertops and sinks and they're ripping clothes off and it's so hectic, but they just can't control their attraction to each other. They just, they just, they make each other crazy. He makes her so crazy and she can't stand it. She doesn't need more crazy, but he makes her crazy. I'm gonna play some audio from this scene for you because I think you're gonna really love it. Their neighbors in the hotel are like yelling at them to knock it off and be quiet because they're being so fucking loud. They're getting a phone call. They're, this like annoying shrill ass hotel phone is ringing. There's a cat meowing sound effect. That's like a really nice touch, like a effect when they knock something off a counter, which is funny because why is there a cat in a Vegas hotel? But 
whatever. I thought it was, I thought it was a nice touch. Okay. Eventually they start passionately and clunkily having sex in the shower. They're wreaking havoc on this shower. Like they break the shower head off at one point. Um, and there's just water spraying everywhere. So yeah, they're going to have quite the, I think they're going to keep the the deposit charge on the credit card for that hotel stay. And I am, I'm praying for them because that is not going to be a small bill. After they're done with that chaotic sex scene, uh, Travis sees a text pop up on Abby's phone from Benny saying that they still have unfinished business and she better come up with this money. So Travis is like, all right, bet. I am going to go fight for my woman. So while Travis is setting off to go fight for her money, um, Abby is walking through a parking garage and while she's walking through this seemingly empty parking garage, she overhears Jesse, Jesse from that night at the casino. And who is Jesse talking to other than Mick? Her dad, it turns out that Jesse and her dad worked together to kind of contrive this whole fake ordeal with Benny. He didn't really have any outstanding debts that needed to be settled. He just, was out of money and so he tricked Abby into coming to Vegas and winning him money and so Jesse being the one who confiscated the chips was in on that from the very beginning so Abby quite literally sees Jesse handing over the chips that she won to her dad this does not go over well (laughs) obviously um and she has a taser on her for some reason so she's like tasing the fuck out of them (laughs) she's like tasing jesse to the ground she hops in the car where mick has gotten into and she's tasing him in the car yeah it's it's a tough scene she kind of like tells him to fuck off she takes the car she she drives away she obviously calls travis she's like dude travis like this is a really big deal like nobody actually owes anybody any money and you don't need to fight because this was all a setup travis is already at the fighting venue and he he doesn't get abby's call when she calls him and the guy that travis is fighting is named chernobyl he's so scary he's so scary he's got this mask on and he's cloaked and he just looks weathered apparently and everyone's like dude travis you're gonna fucking die this chernobyl guy is literally no joke abby whips herself over to the bar where the fight is happening and she fights her way to get into the venue she's fighting her way through the crowd to get to travis before he literally dies before he literally gets the ever-living shit beat out of him we see a little spark fly from the electrical panel in the corner of the room bad sign bad sign keep that in mind for later abby grabs a stool like a bar stool in the midst of this and knocks chernobyl upside the head so she's trying to knock him out to protect travis um the fire alarm at this exact point in time before chernobyl can (laughs) beat the shit out of her the fire alarm starts going off because of this electrical fire that started and everyone survived. Everyone's evacuating, you know, Shepley ended up getting kind of beat up, um, by Chernobyl in the middle of the fight. Um, and he, I think he had to go to the hospital. It was kind of a bad injury. So they get America on the phone and she's flying out to Vegas to meet the three of them. The reason that Shepley was there to begin with us to watch Travis fight, obviously, duh, he's there to support his homie. So now everything, peachy 
everything's perfect. Everything's okay. We're nearing the end of the movie. And every, yeah, everything is just peachy keen. No one's dead. Travis is alive. Nobody owes anybody any money. They're talking. Travis and Abby, they're having a little heart to heart in the hotel room that night after their crazy day. We learn the lore about why he calls her Pigeon. It turns out that Pigeon is the word for a winning hand in poker. The more you know. I didn't know that. So that's your fact for the day. I still think it's a stupid nickname. I guess that's fine. Okay, now that I'm talking through it, though, he called her Pigeon the first night he met her before he knew that she was Lucky 13. So now I'm kind of looking back at it and I'm like, oh, were we supposed to assume that Travis always knew that Abby was Lucky 13? Like, did he, from the minute he met her, kind of recognize her? Like, I don't know. Or else did he just happen to call her Pigeon and that also just happens to be the word for a winning hand in poker, which happens to be the game that Abby's really good at? I don't know. Sound off in the comments, I guess. There's another little voltage Easter egg. Um, In Vegas, there's a billboard that's advertising a song called After with the exact font of like the After movie. So I don't know. I kind of like that this movie is like parodying, what the hell? Parodying itself. Whew, got it. So remember how Travis said, I love you earlier? And Abby said, you love me. You don't even know me. She finally says, I love you back. They live happily ever after. Um, The last scene of the movie is Travis and Abby standing um, outside of Jessie's car because (laughs) she stole Jessie's car, okay? Queen, queen shit. Yeah, go ahead. Steal. If a guy steals your money, you're allowed to steal his car. And I think that's a fair deal. So that night that she was tasing the shit out of Mick and Jessie, she ended up stealing their car. That's the car that Travis and Abby are using to get home. Travis did ride his motorcycle to Las Vegas, if you'll recall. So he actually sends Shepley home on the motorcycle, which is kind of tough because Shepley sustained, it seems to be some brain damage from his altercation with Chernobyl the night before. So he doesn't necessarily seem to be in the best state to be driving a motorcycle, but that's none of my business. I'm also not in any state to be driving a motorcycle according to the state of California, because I've failed the motorcycle scooter test like three times. It's really embarrassing. All I want to do is drive a Vespa around, okay? That's all, all I want to do is have a little scooter. Come on, man. In the back of Jesse's car, there's a duffel bag. Travis opens up the duffel bag and what is inside but all of her money? Poetic justice, baby. We love it. She is walking out of there with 100 grand or maybe 50 grand because I think that Jesse and Mick were splitting the money, so... I don't know if like Mick already took his half or if, if, you know, Abby is going home with all hundred G's, but either way, good for fucking her. We love to see that. The last line of the movie is like, they're having, Abby and Travis are having a conversation like to some effect where she's like, oh my God, like this whole thing has been a disaster. And he goes, yeah, a beautiful disaster. And that's the end of the movie. Roll the credits. Hey, that's what I call cinema. Okay, God, I just love bad movies. I just love this one. And I love this one because it was like bad by design, but like it was still good. It was such like a spoof or like a parody of what the after movies were. That was really fun. I had a really good time going through that. That's it for the episode today, you guys. 
That's it. Thanks for joining me. If you made it this far, I'm giving you a big old smooch on the lips. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and leave me a a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. I would really forever be indebted to you in a way if you did that for me. So if you're looking to kind of hold that power over me, then I would say maybe leaving a five-star review is a good way to do that. Follow the podcast on Instagram, baby. Obscurapod, no spaces, no dots, Obscurapod. Um, We're having fun over there. I'm trying to get to 100 followers by the end of the year. I think I'm at like 47 right now. So, hey, we need, hey, we're less than halfway there, but harder things have been done. People have made greater strides than that in a month, and I think that we can do it. I'll be back here next week. Same, Same place, same time next week. See you there, okay? This has been an amazing time. My name's Olivia. You've been listening to Olivia's Obscura, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Okay, bye!